0: My journey as a Superman fan started with a tattered red cape blowing in the wind. That ending rocketed me forward like a red blue blur through a decade long origin story and poignant tales of self discovery and now fatherhood, and backward to the character's very beginnings. Now, on this podcast, we journey together across time and media to examine the stories that have defined the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite A Superman Fan Journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the War World saga from Action Comics all the way from Australia is the host of Superman the Animated Podcast, Nathan McKenzie. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. I was so lucky to have you on my podcast not too long ago, and I was so grateful to be on yours.
0: I had such a great time going on your show. This was, I guess, late 2021. And we discussed the New Kids in Town episode of Superman the Animated Series when the Legionnaires visit uh, yeah. Clark in Smallville in the past. And it was such a great time. So you have now gone, you've completed the entire, you know, 54 issue, uh, issue 54 episode run of uh, <laughs> Superman the Animated Series, correct?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, um, it was such a thrill to have yourself and some other great guests on the podcast that's completing season three of Superman the Animated Series um i basically con- conducted the first two seasons on my own which is very hard to do uh, but it was so great to have your involvement and some other great people just to discuss um some great episodes and it was just so fun especially now we're coming out on blu-ray um and i'll have the HBO max over in, in the states um and some other variants over in australia but missing a lot of seasons over here unfortunately but uh, it was great to finish it off and then um uh, But also I loved your discussion that you had on your podcast as well when you broke it down the way you did as well. So it was great to have, you know, the way that you discussed it as well after I completed the three seasons. So it was great just to hear different versions of it.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy and I, we had such a great time doing those mixtape episodes at the beginning of this year. And it was so rewarding, you know, to go back to this animated series that we grew up watching and, and remembered fondly, but really came away enjoying even more. This time around, you know, watching it with adult eyes and just seeing how sophisticated it was. And, and especially, I guess, with our, our mixtape approach, you know, looking at <laughs> categories of episodes, you know, you really see how it, how it built and fit together. It was such a great show.
1: And that's just it. Like, I wasn't lucky enough to have the animated series in Australia um, when it debuted. And I actually found it probably, uh, it was around 06, I think, when everything started coming out, when Superman Returns came out and all he had all these DVDs like Lois and Clark came out Superboy season one came out here in Australia. And that's the only actual DVD that we got with season one here. Uh And that's when I found, I actually remember back of, I think I talked about it in my podcast. I actually remember watching justice league first before um, Superman, the Animated podcast. And the best thing I love about the series is that, and if everyone loves justice and justice league unlimited is the fact that you, you need to watch Superman, the animated series, understand a lot of the, episodes of justice league unlimited especially leading into cadmus and the like so and that's what i love about it. i love continuity um as we'll discuss in, um, in the comic books we're going to discuss today and uh, i'm just all, all for it
0: yeah for sure and so you finished the the main series and now you're moving on to the animated movies is that correct
1: yes that, yeah that's correct and as we discussed um, prior to um you know starting this episode i've just started a new a new job a new role so I've, I've taken it back the podcast uh, at this point in time until I get my head around my new position. And yeah, definitely, I've just started the, the movies. Um, spoke about um, Brainiac attacks, which was uh, interesting to say the least. I can't remember if you've seen the movie recently. I can't remember if you discussed it on your podcast, but that was definitely a hard act to swallow. I remember watching it the first time many years ago, and then um, talking about it just recently. And yeah, that was very hard, especially after watching you know the season, the series in in full. And then watching that, you know, it was a bit hard. But if you actually watch it in its own entirety of what it is, you appreciate it of what it, of what it is. But unfortunately, if you, if you love the series as much as I do, it's a hard act to follow. And then, yeah, just just finished um, Superman Doomsday, which was actually, you know, the first DCAU movie. And then hopefully more to come in uh, in the coming weeks.
0: Very cool. Well, I hope that people will check out your podcast, Superman, the Animated Podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Yes?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you for it. yeah, and thanks for the shout
0: out. Very cool. No, of course, I, I encourage people to check it out. Uh, again, the approach that we utilized here was 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 different, but you went episode by episode, so a lot of great conversations for people to check out. It's funny with Brainiac, Brainiac Attacks, right? That's the title.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yes, I've not watched it purposely. I, I've, I've <laughs> think about horrible <laughs> things, but at some point, I'm sure I will I will get to it, especially the later we get into this podcast series you know, sooner or later, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to have to, but I, I, I will go in with some trepidation for sure.
1: It's I, definitely hard. After, oh, sorry. It's definitely hard at watching it because the aesthetics and the the animation style is just like, it's just come out of the series. And then when you watch it, then you listen to Lex and you just go, this is not, you know, this is not Clancy Brown. This is not the, the Superman that I know, especially when you've got some of the voice actors like Tim Daly, Donald Delaney returns. And then you've got this different voice actor voicing Lex. It's just very hard act to swallow. But like you said, if you just watch it for what it is and try to enjoy it that way, but yeah, it's definitely hard after loving the series as much as we all do.
0: Well, I'll I'll keep that in mind, you know, if, and and when (laughs) I get there, but a a good segue here, I thought of Superman, the animated series and you and your podcast in reading the war world saga. And in particular, And we talked about this when we did our mixtapes in the series finale of Superman, the animated series, that two part legacy story, just as a quick refresher for people, Superman journeys to Apocalypse and beats Darkseid and throws his beaten body down to the people of Apocalypse and says to them, he's all yours. Do, do with him what you will, expecting that the people will rejoice in their newfound freedom, that their enslaver is now defeated and there's this beat, right? And I know you know this very well, but there's this beat where, it, you know, it looks like they might, but instead they all run to dark side. They care for dark side. And we, the audience and Superman, of course, realize just how how brainwashed and subjugated these people have been and how it's not as easy as just punching dark side out, that there's really this more of a spiritual battle to be waged. And that's not one that superman's going to engage in at that point in time but it definitely registers with him and having revisited superman the animated series fairly recently i had that in my head and so as i'm reading this warworld saga in action comics yes of course there's this physical this physical threat and 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 you know conflict to be overcome but it's ultimately more of a spiritual one the people of warworld need to be inspired they need to have they need to cultivate this sense of hope. And that's really what Superman is struggling to accomplish in the story. So I thought so much of Superman, the animated series and that, that moment in particular in reading these.
1: Yeah. Now that you say it like that, I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from and you're hundred percent correct. Yeah. And then it, it's still very emotional to watch that scene in legacy um, after Superman takes um, Dark Side down and just to see his followers pick him up and take him away and just, you know, especially what Darkseid says at the end, um, it's very, it's very moving. It doesn't matter what Superman does; like he feels like he's, he's freeing the slaves. You know, in retrospect, but in the end, they need someone there. That, like, like, and it's a godlike figure, and that's the reason why they're there with him, and that's what we see in this storyline as well. So, yeah, I can definitely understand why. Um, you know, you see the, the two similarities, especially with Mongol, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's very, yeah, dark, and, um. You know, it's hard to take sometimes actually even reading it. And the 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 artwork was amazing.
0: Yes, absolutely. So just to give everyone a clearer sense of, of what we're talking about. So this is the currently running storyline in Action Comics. And I, I will say I had a little bit of reluctance about doing this episode because and I know you're, you listen to the show, which I so appreciate. And for our regular audience, you know, you know. Most of the episodes that I've done, almost all of them, they're always about storyline comic book storylines or TV seasons or movies that have already happened. And so we can sort of take a look at them in their entirety and sort of fit them into this larger, longer view of the Superman mythology. And that's that's sort of my the guiding principle behind the show for me in terms of what we cover and when we cover it and everything. So, and there are plenty of shows that cover things, cover new, new releases and things like that. And that's great. Uh, So I never necessarily felt the need to do it. So it's weird to do this episode. And as of this recording, the most recent issue that's come out that, that I've read is Action 1042, which is the conclusion of, quote unquote, the war world saga. But then there's still a third act to this story because we had war world rising the war world saga and i believe the third act is war world revolution or war world arena i saw philip kennedy johnson the writer mentioning that uh, on twitter i think that might be the title of the trade when it comes out i'm not positive in any event there's still another act to follow so we don't have the full picture yet so this is a little bit different for me to talk about something as it's happening but it's the current action comic storyline written by philip kennedy johnson art primarily by daniel semperi and uh Ricardo uh, Federici, wonderful artist. I I really love their stuff. And the War World saga kicked off in earnest with War World Rising in action uh, 1030. But prior to that, Philip Kennedy Johnson wrote a few issues of the future state Superman books. He also wrote a two-part crossover between Superman and action called The Golden Age, and then a three-part storyline in the Superman title called The One Who Fell. And orbiting all of this, we also have Grant Morrison's <laughs> Superman and the Authority miniseries, which shows how Superman assembles this authority team who will eventually join him on Warworld to try to defeat Mongol and, and free the slaves. Although, as you and I were talking about off mic, and I know people who've been following this are well aware, we're not breaking any new ground here, but the, <laughs> the, the Morrison series does not really sync up with what we're seeing in, in, in the action stories, um, but it's... It's entertaining enough on its own, I felt, but yeah, definitely. I don't know on the editorial editorials. I don't know exactly what happened, but it didn't seem to sync up the way it was intended to.
1: No, and like I said, I, I skimmed over it um, briefly just so I can get my head into what what actually happened in the actually uh, and the authority. But I like, and other than the last couple of pages at the end when you know we see him with Manchester Black, and it's like, oh, okay, then now I can understand where they're coming from, and you know, but just see him in a different costume and getting to know his league so to speak and so, and so it was good to understand where you know when we see it in the in the main action comics like oh this is how he got his team so i i like the fact that they actually delved into that story and showed us how so i appreciate that for what for what it was
0: absolutely and we were talking about this off mic as well but in terms of your your background as a comic reader, obviously you have this this huge fandom of the animated series, and you've been covering that on your show. I know when I reached out to you about doing this episode, you said you you know you hadn't been following the War World story, but you know you you would be interested in doing it for the show, which I which is awesome. Uh, but so, what what is your background, sort of as on the comic book side as a reader?
1: Um, so, as we say about it, off Mike, um just before. It- I've only really started coming into comic books not not uh, just recently. So I've read, like, the major ones, uh, like Kingdom Come, uh, The Death of Superman, and I'm just starting to get – like, I've actually got a, a big collection growing. I've just got to find time to actually start reading them. And listening to you know, some of your podcast episodes actually gets me excited about going into the comic books and reading them for the first time, um, which is great. And, yeah, so the, at the moment my collection is growing, but just I've just got to catch up with reading them. And this is the first time I've been able to read something live so to speak and it's just great to see and, and even though you know we only go up to a certain stage i'm looking to see what happens next which is, is going to be interesting and um i don't think i want to stop now i think i want to keep going so I, I think my room's not big enough for my collection as it is so i just have to see how i go but yeah it's uh, just one thing like i've always been a fan of the movies and the tv shows and it's one thing that i've always kept on top of um since i was a kid um, Superman the movie, I grew up with that. Actually, I actually grew up watching Superman 2 and Superman 4 as a kid. So that's where my love for Superman came from. And then it just grew from there. But yeah, the comics are something new, but something I want to keep um, growing and endeavoring to just keep uh, reading as much
0: as I can. Nice. And I have to say, and uh, this is sort of giving away my my take on on the War World saga. I think as far as, as storylines to really delve into as you're early in your, your reading journey, I think you picked a good one. So <laughs> let me just say, I I was a huge fan of what I read, and I'm very happy to report that because I've done episodes recently. I covered the Rebirth era of the Superman titles, and I talked about it at length, but you know, I went into those kind of expecting a lot based on what I had heard. And while, while there were definitely elements I enjoyed and I appreciated, I I did not enjoy my read as much as I thought I was going to. And... I qualified those negative opinions so much in the episode because it seemed like people had so much love for those runs. But I will say, after I put out those episodes, I heard from a number of people who were kind of like, yeah, you know, it wasn't my favorite either. So you'll always get a mix of reactions. But, you know, I had that experience with Rebirth where I I went in really expecting to like it a lot, and I didn't. And then the episode that people heard last week, you have not heard yet because of when we're recording this, but people have heard uh, my episode on the Bendis era, which... I was not a fan of either, for the most part. Uh, That one was not as much of a surprise based on everything I had heard, but, you know, there too. But so it just sort of created this effect where for the past few years' worth of Superman stories, I I just, I wasn't enjoying them to the extent that I, I would want to. And I've heard nothing but amazing things about the Philip Kennedy Johnson run on action comics. And more often than not, <laughs> that sometimes can create, uh, you know, a, 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 an expectation that can't be met. So I went into this wanting to like it, hoping to like it, but feeling a little nervous. And part of me was like, well, if I don't like this, then, then what is it? Do I just not like modern Superman comics? I, so I, I was a little nervous, but man, oh, I enjoyed these so much. I'm really, I get it. I it, they live up to the hype. I was very, very impressed with with what I read.
1: Yeah, I was too. And you know, going back to the, the animated series, especially Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, that's when my introduction to Mongol first came about. And just the first introduction, I can't, I'm pretty sure it's season one of Justice League when you know Superman goes to War World, and that was my first take on that. And even that, those two episodes were so powerful. And then we see you know Mongol return and For the man who has everything in Just League Unlimited, and you know, it almost brings a tear to my eye to this day watching that. And I'm, you know, both grown men, you know, you know and it's just one of those things. And, and just watching this story, um, I'm reading this story, and it, it was just so powerful from the get go. And when I watched, read the first, um, you know, one uh, 1030, um, I apologize if I'm pronouncing incorrectly, I don't know what the terminology is, It's pronounced in action comics. <laughs> no, no, that's all good. <laughs> um, when I finished the first book, I was just on edge. I just couldn't wait. So, I'm so grateful for the fact that I could just read one after the hour. I don't know if I could wait for the next book to come out. And I had so much fun, especially with the leading comics as well. With the uh, you know the one who fell and just you know finding out, you know, And, and that only in the main storyline, there was only a snippet of what we needed to find out. But even that was fantastic. And, and like I said, the artwork was was what hit me from the start. And I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't put, put, put the book down.
0: Yes, I'm with you and. It's interesting, in, in that two-part Golden Age story, that's the story where Clark and John are fighting these, these invaders from the breach, and Superman is weakened by the radiation. He, he suffers radiation poisoning that weakens him, and so when we begin the War World Rising story, right, his power levels are lower than, than they should be. He's still very powerful, but uh, Bruce and, and Ray Palmer, right, they're conducting these experiments, on his mm-hmm. power levels. But that, you know, that golden age story plot-wise, that's I guess the important piece to take away. That's the backdrop for for why Superman's power levels are have have diminished somewhat. But thematically, between that story and and the future state stories as well, which which we can touch on, there's this sense of foreboding about Clark's future. Right? John has been in the future with the Legion of Superheroes and he's heard all these stories about his dad. And then they stop at a certain point, not far beyond where where they are in the present day. So he know like there's something that seems to be coming, and after that, there are no more stories about his father. Uh, and then couple that with the, with the diminished powers. I mean, it really creates this this sense. And then in the in those future state stories, particularly the worlds of war, you know, we pick up on Earth down the line a bit, and Superman's been gone, and and everyone's gathering in in his hometown of Smallville, and speculating about what could have happened to Superman. And so it's really creating this sense of, of mystery as, as to what happened to him. And, and that, so again, as far as the prologue material goes, it's just kind of interesting to have that, that backdrop as we head into this. Cause I think it gives, it gives War World, I think even a, a greater sense of, of, weight and purpose it's like what happens here <laughs> right because we we have all of these hints of, of, of what might come down the line so i thought i thought that was effective as far as the, the the introductory material went
1: oh exactly and leading in that leading comic exactly you know john thought straight away that the breach was the reason why he, he lost his father and he was scared to let him go against it and yes we know that he lost you know some of well didn't lose his powers but obviously his powers diminished a little bit over that and i love the start of you know action comics uh one zero three zero i'll start using that one (laughs) um i love how you know batman and the atom are testing him i just love that introduction to the book i thought that was fantastic but but like you said yeah no one knew what happened to superman and you know speculation and and like you said the um the future the future state story um even that was you know straight into the future you know everyone knows that he was clark kent yeah but i love the fact that you know the the young lady, um, he told her story, you know, everyone told the stories about how they were there because Superman saved her, but she was there because Clark saved her. And I loved how they they had the switch on the story there and they went through, I think, the second book and basically went through a whole journalistic, um, you know, one of Clark's, um, you know, wordings that he did in one of his his newspapers and that's what saved her. And I just loved how they they played a twist on that as well. So not only did they miss Superman, but, you know, the, the love for Clark as well.
0: I love that so much. That was that was a really nice touch. And it's funny because a big part of the Bendis run was Superman revealing his secret identity to the world. And I think I even though I've read it very recently, I think I blocked it out because at the start of the the one who fell, that three part story where Clark and John go to that, you know, they're they receive that that message that uh, call for help and they and they and they go to that other planet. At the beginning of it, the, uh, Clark, Lois, and John are playing miniature golf. And and it took me a second. I was like, oh yeah, Clark doesn't have his glasses on and everyone's kind of staring at them. I had forgotten that he had revealed his identity. But again, he spends so much of these stories off world that it ends up not really even mattering all that much anyway. But yeah, it took me a second to get back into that mode of like, okay, we're still dealing with what <laughs> the, the prior writer had, had set up. I, I got to say though, it's so weird to me how do I put this it, reading the stories with John Kent, right from Peter Tomasi and Dan Jurgens and, and Bendis. I, I know at least Bendis and Tomasi, their fathers themselves, uh, as is Philip Kennedy Johnson. I don't know what it is, but with Johnson's writing and especially in writing the dynamic between Clark and John, it felt the most real to me. And it also felt the closest To the to the way I approach fatherhood myself, Um, and that's not a knock on the parenting of the other writers, (laughs) but there was something about you know reading these stories, it it just felt, and you know John is vastly older than my son. My son's not even three yet, but um, you know there's a moment where when Clark is is leaving for Warworld, and I mean the moment where he where he hugs John and he's like, "I'll always come back, pal." Oh oh, that gets yeah. me but but even before that he says that you know the Justice League might ask you to join in my absence and John's like I like what should, I, should what should I do and and Clark says whatever you decide will be right and I don't know that just kind of stuck with me because that's one of the things that as my, as my son gets older I, I hope to be able to convey to him that you know at the end of the day you have to trust yourself and trust your gut and you know yeah. we're you know, giving you all these lessons and morals and, and everything as you're growing up and hopefully guiding you in the right direction. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like you got to trust yourself. You got you to go with what makes sense for you. Uh, I'm going to quote Rocky for a second. But, it's, you know, you have, to live, you have to live for yourself because you have to live with yourself. And I don't know, it just made me think of that. There were, there were a bunch of moments between Clark and John that just rang true for me in the father-son sense that I just hadn't gotten before. I don't, I don't know what your take was on, on that aspect of it.
1: No, well, it's funny. Like, I only recently have I started to realize, you know, John in the comics, uh, and obviously with Superman and Lois as well with the two sons there. And, you know, years ago, you know, seeing Superman with a son and, you know, with Superboy, and Superboy's had so many different iterations over the years. It's been a young Clark Kent, and then it's been a clone of Connor. you know, and all that sort of stuff. So seeing, like, the young Superboy now of John Kent, it's – it's taken me a while to get my head around it, but hearing everyone's love for the, the stories coming out now, especially this one with John as well, it, I, I think it was beautiful, you know, leading into, you know, the prelude with uh, the golden age and the one who fell, just the the love they have with each other. You know, John loves his father. You know, he doesn't want anything to happen to him. You know, the most powerful being on the planet, but he, even he still feels, I believe it, Lois says, nothing's going to happen to him. You know, he's he's died before and he's come back. So, and, yeah, I just love the love, love they have for each other. And, and it's portrayed on the page. And and like you said, when, you know, Superman flies off to War World and you see the interaction between the two. And if I rem- remember correctly, didn't John say, you know, they kicked you out of the league so I'm not going? Yeah. Isn't that was said as well? So I love the fact that, you know, they said, well, they're going to do that to my father. I don't want anything to do with it. So I love the fact that they have that bond and, you know, that relationship.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because that's the thing. Being the son of Superman, living in that shadow, could engender some animosity or jealousy or ill will or, or rebellion or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, you see that love and respect he has for his father and the whole theme of the golden age, right? In the story, we get Clark's narration and all that we find out it comes from Pa Kent. But the sense that, you know, when, it, when a kid is little, they live in this golden age where, you know, their parents are, you know, infallible and invulnerable, but that they need that time, right? To It, it creates the safety and that allows them to try things. And then when the time comes for them to step out of it, uh, they can be their own person. But that there is, you know, there is this moment where they will realize that their parents are just people, you know, and again, we haven't gotten yeah. there with, you know, my <laughs> son's too little yet, but <laughs> it's like, you know, that we will get there at some point. Um, and then even, too, this, this part was so interesting. And you mentioned Superman and Lois. So you, you watched the Superman and Lois TV show? Okay. Uh, yeah,
1: definitely. But um, not, 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 I haven't completed, or not, not up to the finish line of where season two is at, at present, but definitely uh, yeah, loving the series. And uh, we'll get through there eventually.
0: Gotcha. I mean, I won't, I'll keep this very... General. So as we're recording this, season two still has a few episodes left. And I'm going to do a big episode on season two when it's all done, but a lot to say. <laughs> but but <Yeah. laughs> I, I the one there are definitely a number of parallels, but in particular, and, and this kind of ties into like the most recent episode of Superman and Lois. So I, I again I'll keep this general. But um, you know, in these comic stories, and then also in most recent episodes of Superman and Lois, you know, Superman has to trust his superpowered son to help in a way that I'm sure is very daunting. And that really comes through on screen and in the page. And and I, you know, I think about when, when my son is older, not in a superpowered setting, but this idea <laughs> of, you know, you we see ourselves as the protector, right? And so to to recognize and accept a situation where, you know, maybe you can't protect them the way that you want to, or they have to protect you, you know, being able to allow that uh, you know, my, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it must be so tough. And that really, again, that really came across. So, uh, yeah, I really, I love the handling of, of Clark and John. And my only complaint is I wish there were, there were more of it, but since so much of the story is them separated, I, you know, I recognize we we don't have that, but I, I ended up appreciating those lead in issues more, you know, it wasn't the meat of war world, but it was the stuff leading up to it. Uh, but I, I appreciated it for that, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, you asked the question before about my comic book history and what I've read in the past. I just read, actually, I think it's Secret Identity not too long ago. And Just because I've heard about it and, you know, you open up one of the 10 most best Superman stories and lots sort of stuff and that always comes up. So I decided to read that and, you know, as an Elseworlds story. And at the end of that, when he's two girls, you know, going off trying to save the world and... You know, obviously, different different telling of Superman, of course. But you know, just what, and he he has to stand back and watch these two girls go and save the world, and he just has to stand back. But he's just so proud of them, and and same with the years of John, he's just so proud of John, and he tries to convince John that you know you you are super, you, you will be Superman, like he. But you know, as John continues to say that, you know, I'm Superman is 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 a is a title, you know, so so to speak, where everyone expects him to jump into Superman's shoes. But for him, Superman is my father. So I don't want to be called Superman. I just want to acknowledge that this is my father and I'm proud of who he is and what has come before him. I can never live up to his expectation. Whereas Superman knows that John can definitely excel past his expectations. I and mean, that's what fathers do.
0: That, right. And that's the other thing too, this idea of John surpassing him. And and that's, again, from my perspective as a father, I, I, you know, I think, sadly, I think, you know, parents don't, don't always subscribe to that and maybe feel jealousy towards their children if they, you know, strive for or achieve more than they did, where I think the healthy thing, and certainly the way I approach <laughs> it is, I, I, I know he will surpass me. It's like, I want him to surpass me. I can't, I can't wait yeah. to see that. Uh, and, and, so just, again, just to see that dynamic and, and the pride and the love and, and respect between them, uh, was, was really great. Uh, uh, one other thing I was thinking about with the the future state stuff, so uh, we don't have to go too deep into this, but my understanding is, and this is largely from reading Bleeding Cool, so <laughs> I'll take it for what it is, but uh, it seems that the before Dan Dio was fired from DC that he, they were building towards this 5G event that was going to basically restructure the timeline of the DC universe and sort of in, in, be, find a way to incorporate the characters' eighty-plus year history, and the idea was that the the older guard, Clark and Bruce and Diana, they would sort of um, be off the board, and and the new generation would rise up and assume the mantles of those characters. That's my understanding. Is that's what they were building towards, and that a lot of stories had been commissioned to that end. And after Didio left, DC completely pivoted and 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 did not pursue five G. But they had a lot of these stories, and that's what became Future State. Yeah, as as my understanding of all of this. All that being said, reading those those Future State stories, particularly that two part Worlds of War that Philip Kennedy Johnson wrote, you know, the thing I, I kept thinking of this. <laughs> hopefully, this is the tangent will be worth it. But did you want? Are you a fan of the supernatural TV show by any chance?
1: I've I've never actually seen it, but I know a lot of like, you know people such as yourself. I think um, you know, and, and Tyler, um, Patrick as well from, Kidron. I know a lot of people love that show, but yeah, uh, I love to hear your take on it.
0: Yes. Yeah. I know Tyler is, is a big fan. He and I have spoken about that <laughs> and we might even do some <laughs> podcasting about that at some point, but, um, you know, the show ran for 15 years and the series finale was about a year ago. Uh, again, I'm not going to spoil anything, even though it's been a year, but I won't spoil anything, but <laughs> I, I was let down by the series finale. I actually thought the penultimate episode work, would have worked way better for a series ender, but that is what it is. But my wish for the series finale was kind of what they did in Future State. I, I always thought it would be kind of cool because the show ran for so long. Supernatural ran for so long, the story of these two brothers, the Winchesters who, who fight monsters. And I thought the show ran so long and they've done so much. I like the idea that Sam and Dean become part of the lore that they've always been investigating. This idea that in the series finale, maybe we pick up with a group of young hunters a few years down the line, and they find something of the brothers. They're like, what happened to those guys? And they each tell a story that they heard about what might have happened, a la what we see in Future State, where we have these people gathered in Smallville, and they have all these different theories of what might have happened to Superman. And I just like that idea for the the show, because I felt like, that would be a good way to sort of have your cake and eat it too. Like you can show people every conceivable ending that people have speculated about, like the two of them going out in a blaze of glory or retiring or one dies and the other lives or vice versa. And obviously that's not what the show did, but I thought it would have been cool. And also reminiscent of the legends of the dark Knight episode of Batman, the animated series. Yeah. You know, so I thought that would have been cool, but, uh, so I like the way it played out in in Future State, and certainly all of this is intercut with images of Superman on War World, right, giving us a hint of what's to come and what you know Philip Kennedy Johnson would then be building toward. Uh, but I really like that, and it you know it just gets me thinking about what is the right end for Superman, because we have you know not it's funny it's not so many stories, but uh, we do have a few very key stories that do kind of posit what what becomes of or whatever what happens whatever happened you know to the man of tomorrow um do, do you have in your in your head canon do you have an ideal ending for the character of superman that you're particularly that you think works well
1: um oh that is a very hard question to yes. answer because because <laughs> <laughs> you just love you just i just love superman so much and you just expect him to live on forever but um you know with everything going on in the comics these days and you know with john and obviously the you know, especially the Legion, you know, they always tell the story of, and, and most of those stories, you know, when we see the Legion, Superman's died or, you know, we don't, we don't even hear stories about Superman and it's more Superboy's gone to the future and um, dealt with them. So um, I really like the Kingdom Come version of when, you know, but obviously there was reasons why he, he went down that path out of, you know, kind of retirement, so to speak. And, um, I think this is, this is, it's not a comic book version, but it's more the Crisis Infinite Nurse Smallville take. I, I really, I don't know. Even though I know Zach Moore it, it didn't like didn't like going into it, but you know the fact we didn't see the suit, um, didn't see, didn't see the costume, but he loved the ending with uh, Tom Welling, um, you know, with in Crisis, and so did I. Actually, I love the fact that you know, even though I would have loved Superman to be on Earth a lot longer than what Tom Welling was in that in that version, but I just would have loved to have seen him, They've done everything he's done for the world, and he's retired. He's got his kids. He loves his family, and you know, but. But always with that option to go back if he needed to, if there was if there was crisis. So I think that's what just comes to mind at present with regards to that that, that question. So you kind of put me on the spot, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> no, I, I apologize. I don't, I mean I don't have a good answer either. I think it. I love whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow as a conclusion to the pre-crisis Superman. I think it really pays off a lot of the themes and plot points and questions that anyone reading during that era would have. You get to see all of the things that. Had always been delayed uh, or deferred, and so I I think for that version it works well for the character. Generally, I don't know. You know, do I subscribe to the Grant Morrison version where he goes to live in the sun for (laughs) a million years? (laughs) eh, I I don't know. I don't know. I have to. I'll be revisiting those stories in the future, and I'll I'll see where I land on those. Uh, Let's take a quick commercial break, and then we will continue. We'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme Cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at FilmFreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies, the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. And we're back talking about the Warworld saga. So I think one of the things that... I, I one of the things that was so surprising to me was and I you know I think you've gotten a sense from listening to me talk on and on in, in all these episodes. I mean I the sweet spot for me in a lot of the Superman stories is always in Metropolis with our core supporting cast or Smallville. I mean those are the settings that I tend to to really gravitate toward. So the fact that I enjoyed this story where he's off-world as much as I did really speaks volumes I think about the strength of the story and You know, one of the things that I thought was, like, it's just these stories I feel are very focused, smart, and mature. Like, those were the things I kept thinking as I was reading this. And in particular, what I so valued was in looking at Mongol and how he treats the people of of Warworld. I felt this story did a really good job of showing and not just telling. And I thought that it was very sophisticated and nuanced in terms of the way he is psychologically dominating and subjugating these people. The whole idea of the chains, mm. the fact that they have, you know, these, these iron, these iron cuffs, and every time they win in battle, they get another link added to it so that they have more freedom of movement, but also that they get stronger because they're used to, to carrying this weight, like that whole, that whole, hang on. I don't, I think that was created for this. I'm not sure if that was utilized in other stories before, but man, I, th- I thought that was very effective.
1: I was going to ask you the same question, this is, whether this is the first time they've used that. And and just, just to the part where they've got the, um, like we think they're Kryptonians that, that land on Earth when we see that, you know, at the end of the first book. Um, and even then when she's got the chains, you know, just the don't, don't take the chains. And even reading the book, I'm going, why? What, what's this big deal with the chains? But when you have an understanding of the story, um, and then when we go back in the, the annual as well, you know, you can just see the, the younger versions of, you know, the war world, or war zools or whatever you want to call them you know they've, they've got them and they're just starting off and they've just got one pieces here and there and and yeah it's a very telling st- of the story and, and and that's why and it started at such a young age as well and that's why they have the, their love for mongol and and it's hard as a as a reader actually and, and watching watching superman go through trying to free these people when they don't want to be freed because i've just been told this nonsense so to speak at such a young age that this is the way it is and it's even heartbreaking when, um, I can't remember which, which book it was, but when the, the brother and sister go in front, you know, face Mongol and say basically, oh, we love you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, you know, kill your brother and kill your sister. Luckily, Superman stopped it in time. But but even then, and they say afterwards, Mongol was right. And that's hard to take.
0: It is. And, and that's the thing that, I, like I was saying, I think is just so fascinating about this is that it's, Yes, Superman's powers are diminished, and yes, he man, he takes a beating in these stories, mm. and he's so worn down. You know who he looked like to me. And speaking of the visuals of this, you know, he gets the 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 white walls, the you know, the gray temples. Ah, uh, <laughs> sounds like a weird comparison, but <laughs> I'm a, every Christmas Eve I watch "It's a Wonderful Life" It's one of my favorite movies. And later in the movie, when George Bailey is like is a little bit older and kind of disheveled, and he's going through you know his terrible day. Right, that that kind of like messed hair and the and the white walls, like that's what that's what Clark looked like to me in a lot of these <laughs> stories. It was a weird it was a weird connection to make, but I was like, man, he reminds me of George Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because
1: and you just you know finished talking about Kingdom Come, that's when my mind went straight away with the hair, and you know also um you know uh, it's all uh, made from Fantastic Four, Um, you know and. Uh, I can't remember his name. That's how... Uh, oh, Reed you, Richards. Yeah, Reed Richards, yeah. yeah. You know, that, that's where my, my head went straight away. And um, but I love the story at the start when, you know, we, I don't know if we're going to talk about, you know, the, the authority when he brings to, to War World, you know, with, um, you know, we know that Superman's obviously lost some of his powers, but, you know, how Manchester Black and Enchantress have actually, you know, basically enchanted us into visualizing that he's actually more powerful on earth, but they've actually gone behind the scenes and made him look more powerful. And and that's when we see him straight away when he's got, he gets the gray hair straight away when he gets on war world and and Mongol knows all this, you know, just the fact that that just goes to show that he's got, he's got eyes and ears everywhere.
0: Yeah, for sure. And even going back to the beginning of this, I know, you know, we've been touching on the war world rising part of this, but you know, we begin with this refugee ship, right. Coming to earth and being pursued by the war zones, And you know, Superman finds these refugees who he comes to believe are members of this ancient Kryptonian colony that had left Krypton. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it, the Felisians.
1: Uh, yeah, oh, that sounds good.
0: <laughs> go with that. But which that is its own interesting piece. Generally speaking, and you know, we've talked about this on the show, so like how how many Kryptonians should be out there. <laughs> you know, I, I tend I tend to err on the side of less. Less is more. But I think for purposes of this story, I, I, I get it. And they're not, I mean, they are still Kryptonian, but they were this, you know, this ancient sect that left. And, and there's even a question at one point of their cellular structure is, is even the same after all this time. So, you know, I, I, I can get on board with that. Another piece of unfinished Bendis business, you know, we talk about how all the Kandorians are are, are dead at the start mm-hmm. of the story. And that goes back to what Bendis did with Rogelzar, Czar, which... Again, I think a qu- another questionable choice, but in any event, that that was last that was last week's episode. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think you know, I think that does you know, introducing potential kryptonians right after all the candorians have died, I think that definitely you know, works to to sort of, you know, heighten heighten the tension and the stakes of it. And I love, you know, throughout all of these stories, but especially when Superman first comes across uh, the, 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 the you know, these these refugees, just the kindness. It's the kindness, it's the compassion, the reassuring word. I mean, we see that time and again in, in these stories and others, but, um, you know, it just it just speaks always, I think, to um, where his greatest strength lies. And I think this is one of the other big picture things that I, that I wanted to say about the story that I think works is that, and this is not the first time that he's been in a compromised state uh, on war world i you know last year on the podcast, I covered the superman exile story from the from the late eighties early nineties after you know he had exiled himself from Earth and was having some psychological trauma and ended up on war world so you know we've we've been down this road to an extent before, but you know this was definitely a big flip because here it's he's being proactive right he wasn't like he got trapped on war world he went there right he kind yeah. of picked this fight, but justifiably. But I think what's so interesting about these stories and this one in particular is that when he you know doesn't have the powers to rely on, whether it's the radiation poisoning or the you know those uh, the, the the red solar uh, forges that they're using to power War Warworld, whatever it is, it's like when you strip all of that away, it's like what what's left? But it's the spirit, you know. I feel I feel like this is just a very spiritual story—the the spirit of Superman and the spirit that he's trying to awaken. Uh, you know in all of these people and so i I feel like war world is a great setting for a story because it just strips away everything else and it's like well what's what's left it's still the hero
1: exactly and that's very well said and you know and there's so many parts in the story where you see superman at his at his lowest but he still needs he wants to fight for the person next to them um he wants to save them like even, even i think it's midnight of running around trying to you know destroy certain parts of war world and superman keeps saying no don't because you're going to kill lots of people and they don't deserve to die and but the one thing that got me at the start of, of the book was um you know john was the one was actually was more skeptical of these uh, fallasians that were arriving with obviously everything happened to kandor as you mentioned and you know john's going this you know it's almost like mongol knows that this has happened and this is gonna but but as you said you know clark's always he's been this person from day one he's always gonna love you know feel for the person next to him you always want one you know looked for the best in them um sometimes it gets found out and in this in, in this storyline you know we're, we're obviously showing that you know they're sent here to do to do something from mongol but then even they turn you know and she but you know protects those that she's with um you know and that, that was from clark clark actually brought it on her you know she almost had you know she she was almost about to kill lois um you know and that was a really touching scene watching that and what took me was actually when they, when she took out poor Keelix, like, you know, that, the, the poor Keelix got taken. <laughs> I thought, what did he, what did the poor robot do? He was just trying to help you. But, but yeah, it was, it just goes to show the kind of you know, person that, that the clerk is, doesn't matter with or without his powers, he'll always do what's right.
0: Yeah. And, and going back to what you were saying about how, you know, it's, this is all set in motion by Mongol right he he's he's sending these refugees here to take out the people closest to superman and to provoke superman it, you know we still haven't gotten the full picture yet but the 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 very beginnings of the story there's this cloaked stranger who shows up on war world with the severed heads of the sons of mongol
1: yeah
0: and this promise of of helping mongol unlock the secrets of what war world is really about and and superman seems to be the key to this so you know this is this is all a larger plan but one of the things that i loved is when Superman's in the fortress with uh, Lois and John. And he's like, you know, is this a trap? Probably. But does that matter? Mm-hmm. No. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, even if, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, you know, a larger plot, it's like, there's still this baseline of the, I mean, the fact that people are enslaved, I don't think is a news flash to him, but you know, now it showed up at his doorstep and they're bearing his symbol right? You know, these, some of these people on War had, you know, had, had, had the symbol and as punishment, Mongol branded the, the symbol on, on the chests of, of a number of these people. So, you know, that's the other thing too. And we've talked about this before and, um, I'll give another shout out to, to Tyler from Krypton Report. I've talked about this before. He wrote a great article for the Daily Planet website last year about this, like why he wear and you're, look, you're wearing it right now, the Superman, you know, the Superman yeah. symbol. It's like as fans, why, you know, why we wear that and what that symbol means. And, I think for Clark to see his symbol corrupted in that way and used in that way, I think it's like so uh, offensive, not out of pride, but just because of what it means to him and what he's built this symbol to mean f- to so many people. So to see it used as a punishment, I mean, when they show up on War World and, yeah. and Mongol has has killed so many of these people and, and strung them up and branded them, and you know, Clark starts to cry. I mean, you really feel, you, again, you feel that compassion and that, that you know, the just that grief it's a it's palpable
1: i think you you can read my mind i was thinking exactly the same thing when you're mentioning that and that was a very powerful um image you know like i said the the artwork and this is fantastic and just seeing that when you first rock up even brings a tear to your eye yourself and you know and superman sees that like you said he sees his his insignia and you know seeing what mongol's done And, and and to that end it also proves superman you know he's there to for a reason, he knows what he has to do. Uh, and it doesn't matter what cost that he does that. And obviously we'll find out in the next couple of months how that storyline ends. But, yeah, it's definitely a, a great start to the story with going on to War World. But, but even before War World, going back to the way Superman is, is he was more about saving the people on War World than he was on planet Earth when, you know, Atlanteans were about to go to battle with, you know, the US government with regards to this fragment piece that come out of the ship from Warworld. And Superman basically goes, I don't really care about that. I want to care about to the free of these people off War World. And this just goes to show the person that he is, you know, okay, Justice so you can deal with that. I'm going to go and deal with this. Will you help me? And even seeing, you know, the League come up to him and say, look, we can't help you. We want to, but at this stage we can't. And, you know, we'll obviously see where well, that goes moving forward. But, but yeah, that was, uh, you know, very, very uh awesome to see in the fact that that's the way the Superman is
0: oh, I got thoughts on the Justice League. They they frustrated me a bit, but I understand, <laughs> why. you know, we had to get to this point of Superman going there with his authority team uh, and not the Justice League. And I get that, but uh, I mean, a, a couple of things. One, I love, I did love the Justice League meeting scene where, you know, Superman mentions the slaves and then, you know, there's all this, this, uh, like you were saying, this tension between the uh, between Atlant, the Kingdom of Atlantis, and the U.S. government over possession of this Genesis fragment that they re- the Atlanteans recovered from uh, the War World ship, um, and you know they're talking about and Superman mentions the slaves, and then they sort of go back to this this political debate, and Superman says, "I wasn't finished," and you know, he <laughs> continues talking about it, and and then later on when he's literally in the middle of this brewing uh, battle between the military and Atlantis, neither side is listening to him. And, you know, he takes mm. it upon himself and he uses his super breath and he creates this, uh, again, maybe he was having, that might've been one of the instances where he was having some uh, assistance from, uh, <laughs> from his new team. But, you know, he creates this, this wall of ice and and he retrieves the Genesis tablet and he like, he just takes matters into his own hands And I, you know, reading that on the one hand, it's like, how, how do the league and Atlantis and the U.S. government not afford him more courtesy and deference given everything he's done for them? But there's something very interesting to me. And I, I swear that I don't go into all of these episodes trying to tie them back to the Snyder movies. I really don't. (laughs) But every now and then just something comes up and I can't help myself. And I was thinking about this here because, uh, you know, it, and, and this actually ties into something that Superman himself says, you know, he has a couple of, and I'm sure these are in your notes. Cause the, I mean, these, and I've seen people quoting these on Twitter in, in recent months and everything. And I get why they're very, very powerful. When uh, you know, Superman says to Midnighter when they're on war, cause Midnighter is, you know, trying to get him to, you know, to break out and destroy those solar forges and even though it'll tear the planet apart, and yeah. Midnighters like, look, these people were they were cheering for Mongol, you know, they were cheering when we were def- defeated, and Superman says like, well, should we abandon people if they don't if they don't cheer for us? And then later on, Omak right says something about you know how you know Superman went into this weekend and can't win and and, and all of this and and similar type of thing there. It's like, well, should we only fight when you know we, we know we're going to win or when we're stronger? It's like you have to fight for what's right even if it's inconvenient. Mm. Uh, and so again, just this whole idea of of the people being against him in a way that I feel we don't often see. Again, when he's on Earth, when it's the League and the military and Atlantis, and then when he's on Warworld and it's the people of Warworld. But it's like he doesn't have the will of the people on his side. But that doesn't necessarily stop. And then again, that just makes me think of the Snyder movies, where it's like you know he made some what I would consider to be very heroic choices, including to step forward. Um, even though he knew it was at great personal cost, and even though he knew, or he didn't know how how the world was going to receive him or what they would do with him, he still made that choice. So, again, I think it's one thing he can still be a perfectly heroic character when everyone's behind him. But I just I like this angle where he he's kind of on the other side of that. What what was your take on on all of that?
1: Um. Yeah, it was just it just goes to show the kind of character that Superman is. Doesn't matter what he's faced with, he always. Yeah, you know, he always wants to do the right thing. Um, and there's so many stories that we see um, in t- TV movies that, you know, Superman always makes the right decision. Um, I know, as you said, with the Snyder verse, there's a lot of obviously conjecture with things that he, decisions he has made, but I think it, he's made them. I, I personally believe that he's made the right decisions. And, and if he does make a mistake, he, 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 he faces the consequences and he walks up to them and just says, yep, puts his hand up. Yep. I made that decision and I'll, I'll take the consequences from there. Um, and, and just watching the fight, it was very much like the movie Gladiator. You know, we see him at the start, you know, you know, we see Russell Crowe at the start, you know, when he goes into the to battle and everyone starts to love him for just, just keep going out there and just keep taking it on. And Superman's the same. Like they can see that he keeps copying it, you know, battle after battle, but he keeps coming back because he wants to be there for the people. And and, um, and eventually, you know, the people start to react and they start to have their love and passion for Superman, even though there's, there's a lot of things going on kind of like a rebellion with what midnight is doing um behind the scenes and and just to just to offset a little bit with midnight I love the fact there was a there's a little snippet in there with regards to people keep calling him Superman and he finds it rude and then when they call him Batman uh, you know <laughs> um I thought that was pretty funny
0: yeah that was great I, I enjoyed that a lot um it's you know I, I don't mean to keep bringing this back to rocky but it makes me think of Rocky <laughs> 4. And you know that one I think definitely pushes the suspension of disbelief a bit, this idea that you know Rocky can go over to communist Russia and and box with their champion and actually go so far as to win over the crowd to the point where they're cheering for him. It's not just that they stopped mm. cheering against him, but they're actually cheering for him. I always felt like all right that's <laughs> very that's a that's a big that's a big swing, but I think it's a similar type of thing, Gladiator. The Gladiator movie is another perfect example that, uh, you know, just the, the the triumph of the or the, you know, the spirit, right, and this this unwillingness to give in, and the fact that he just like in the in the War World story, like Clark just keeps going out there. He keeps taking a beating. Thankfully, Natasha Irons makes him that the the chest plate yeah, to <laughs> to help him a little bit. But it's like he keeps going out. There. He keeps getting back up. He keeps protecting the other ones. And then there's also this this sort of campaign when they're in their cells, where he's talking to them about who they come from. You know that Kryptonians were these these scientists and adventurers and explorers, and and you know this is their heritage and they're they're more than what they are now. So, you know, you do have that piece of it too. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And I think it's what he's showing and showing rather than telling, but what he's showing when he goes out into that arena time after time and not bloodying his sword, right? There's mm. that whole bit too about the, the, un, the unblooded sword. And, and he says that they, they call him that to put him down, but he takes it as a, as, a, as a badge of honor, as a compliment, which again, feels very in keeping for the character.
1: And that's just it and he'll just keep fighting and that's what you want from your heroes you want them to keep fighting no matter what and and that's why we love the character so much and that's why we'll continue to talk about him in years to come and yeah you know, it's and it's just so heartbreaking like i know you, you spoke about um superman return not too long ago in the in the in the scene where you know superman lands on new krypton and you know full planet of kryptonite and we just see the battle he takes from the thugs and it's almost in retrospect to that, you know. Superman's lost his powers, and he just keeps taking the beating, but he, he'll just keep moving forward and keep doing what he needs to um, to look after the person next to him. If that means him taking his own life to save the person next to him, that's that's the, that's the love of the character that we have.
0: Yes, I mean, and again, it's not like with these beatings, and he gets he gets speared, in, you know, in one of the early issues. It's it's brutal, yeah. uh, but to, you know, to your point, I think one of the one of the lines, one of the exchanges that has stood out to so many people, and I, 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 I'm, I'm on this bandwagon, is when, you know, Midnighter is trying to convince Clark to leave with him, right, to enact this plan to destroy those solar forges, the the red solar radiation that's powering the planet, and Superman refuses, and, and Midnighter's like, well, are these people's lives worth more to you than than ours, this team that you brought here, that we followed you, that you made us these promises. And he's like, no, they're not worth more, but they're not worth less. It's like all of this life is, is just so precious to him. And that's the other thing, too, going back to, you know, when he sees all those, those bodies strung up when they arrive. I think, you know, the tear forms, obviously, the, just the loss of life. But I think also whenever he's confronted with that level of atrocity, it's like I think something for Clark just doesn't even compute. It's like, how could people, how could someone do something like this? uh yeah but yeah i mean so uh, yeah there's a lot of great moments in this
1: oh exactly and it's you know it, it's probably no similarities was going back to you know superman the movie all the all these things i can do all these powers but i couldn't even save them it's even in that respect like he can't be everywhere you know he, superman would love to be everywhere on earth to save everybody when they need help but he understands that that's not the case but when, when he sees his level of destruction with especially with death and like you said and just the fact that how can somebody do this just for... And basically, it was just for show, just to show how powerful Mongol was, you know, and when Superman arrives, just to see this. And like I said, was that to anger Superman more? Um, but Mongol knowing that he, he'd lost a lot of his strength and a lot of his powers. And then when we did that first fight scene between the two, and like you said, he, he gets stabbed through the chest. It's almost, you know, Batman vs Superman, obviously, without the kryptonite spear. It's just... Reminiscent of that, and yeah, he, just, he definitely just takes a beating, but he just keeps getting back up. And but, um, just going back to your, your Rocky Four, um, <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to the director's cut to see what that's all about, but that's another story altogether.
0: All we can talk off mike I watched the director's <laughs> cut, it's re- I liked it a lot. I, you know, I, I always liked Rocky Four, but it was not my favorite. It's, it's a lot of montage, and the yeah. editors and the director's <laughs> cut really, I think, really does a nice job. The runtime is not wildly different, but that uh, they definitely, he definitely slows down the pace and some alternate takes are used and there's more of, of Apollo and the, okay. the through line of Apollo and Rocky really, I, I think is, is kind of, uh, you know, threaded in more clearly. It just, I thought it worked, but I was very happy with it for, for whatever that's <laughs> worth.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about it off mic. Cause we can go for probably another couple of hours talking about Rocky as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, look, I mean, it's interesting again, just to see, you know, these, these parallels and, and what, what thoughts it sparks when, when we're reading these stories. Um, I'll say that again, one of the things that I I really like about this was that Clark was, and I keep saying Clark and in a couple of the issues we have, his war journals that, that we're seeing, right. That he's, that he's keeping Mm. And AI like that he's doing this, right. He's a reporter at heart. And so the fact that he's, he's chronicling all everything I thought was great. And you know, he introduces himself as, as Clark Kent and he's the son of farmers, End of scientists. I like that he's honoring both yeah. both worlds. But uh, in in the subsequent issue, it's, it's like my name is dot dot dot. It's like Clark Kent. It's like he hasn't heard that name in so long. He's you know he's trying to hold on to that humanity. But I love that that he was proactive in this. I mean, there's an element of being reactive, right? It did start with these refugees showing up on on Earth. In mm-hmm. fairness, but you know Clark could have let this go. Right. Once the, the threat had abated. I mean, he, again, it's not it's not a shock to him that Mongols out there or that Mongol has enslaved people. Um, so this the refugees, it definitely brings it to his doorstep, brings it to the forefront, but he could let it go. His powers are diminishing. The league won't go with him. I mean, there are plenty of reasons to just sort of let this go, uh, but he really takes it upon himself. And I, I I don't feel like we see a lot of stories like that. You know, more often than not, it's like someone shows up to fight him or you know, something like that, and we go from there, and that's yeah. th- that's fine. But I like this idea of it's like, no, like, I know this is happening out there, and I'm going to do something about it.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm taking the fight to you, and it, it's something that, like, he, he's very much used to. Something's arrived on Earth, you know, death, the death of Superman, d- doomsday's arrived on Earth. I must go and face him and, and fight him. And, and it happens a lot in a lot of Superman stories. Uh, the movies, for example, TV shows, you name it. Um, like you said, Superman and Lois is happening right now with stuff that's happening there. Um, you know, and it's good to see, like you said, him being proactive, the fact that I need to take the fight to them. And it's good to see that it's taking a different approach. Um, one thing I want to ask you, I know we spoke about a little bit with regards to Superman uh, and the authority. What do you think of his team that he's taken with him? Did you, Like um, I'm looking at the, the players that he's taken with him and, yeah, I, I – is that all he could, all that was left or, you know, it's just, it was a tough
0: one to swallow. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'll say about the Superman and the authority miniseries that Morrison did. And again, it, it didn't sync up in the way it was meant to. I, I mean, it, similarities in that Superman's powers are diminished and he's recruiting this team for this threat still to come. But, you know, he's in that kingdom come esque outfit with the kingdom come mm. symbol and, you know, we, we don't get that while he's on Earth in in the in the main run. Um, in, in any event, it, it is what it is. There was also I, I didn't include this on our reading list because I'll be honest, I didn't realize it existed. But there's a Batman Superman <laughs> there's a Batman Superman Authority special. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, right because they have that little editor's note about that in one of the issues. So I guess that's the the more in continuity explanation for how he puts the team together it's going to come out on the app very shortly after we record this so i'll read it that do okay. you have the app in australia or that is not available the dc infinite
1: no the, it's funny we have the app but you can't we can't download anything because it's, it's in australia so gotcha uh, yeah uh we're, but, we're, no i was just gonna i'm oh, sorry
0: no, no no please go ahead
1: <laughs> no it's just frustrating in australia like a obviously I love my country, but you know, no HBA max and um, you know, even the the app and stuff like that. We just feel like we're so far behind everybody else when it comes to a lot of things that it's, it's frustrating, but well, we do what we do and we go from
0: there. (laughs) Yeah. No, look, I mean, my heart goes out to you. I've expressed, I've expressed plenty of frustrations on the show about, you know, the, there's so much material specifically silver and bronze age comic book material when it comes to Superman and Superboy that are not available. And it's, that's not available in print or digitally, you know, mm. and either on the app or to buy. It really frustrates me as a podcaster, but also just, you know, I I feel like there's a sense of responsibility that, that DC bears as, as the custodian of this material and this history, this icon of a character. Mm. And I feel like more should be available in any event. <laughs> Going back to Superman and the Authority. One thing I'll say just as a side note, I I read a lot of Grant Morrison and this was very i felt like they played it very straight here. You know, Morrison's ideas are usually like a lot more a lot weirder and more out there and I felt like this was pretty it, I enjoyed it, but it was just I felt like it was just more straightforward and streamlined and linear than their stuff <laughs> usually is for whatever that's worth. As far as the team though, the hardest one to swallow was was Manchester Black. It was very hard for me to get on board with the idea of Manchester Black. I mean, I've read Almost all of the, you know, the Manchester Black and elite stories and and given what an antagonist he has been to Superman, that one was tough. And in fairness, I don't know exactly what, in terms of, you know, from the New 52 to Rebirth, I don't know what continuity we're exactly dealing with here and if his history has been revised at all. But that one was kind of like, really, this guy? <laughs> but otherwise, I, I don't. I'm enjoying the way that they're being used in the main run. I don't really have, I don't, I didn't really have any attachment to any of those characters, I guess, other than Natasha Irons. That's mm-hmm. a big steel fan. Uh, so I was glad that yeah. she's there. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really have a strong opinion about those characters per se. What, what about you?
1: No, it's the same. And like I said, not being, you know, not heavily devoured myself into a lot of comic book reading. Even a couple of those names I'm looking at going, Oh, I need to Google them and find out more about that character. Um, you know, I love seeing Nat as Steel. Um, but I like the fact that, they, you know, going into Superman, the authority they spoke about, you know, because I, I was looking at it going, where is, where is John Henry Irons? But I love the fact that we, we go there and we see Lois has gone to John Henry Irons because he's got the fragment. And I thought, oh, great. Okay, so John is part of this story. I love it. He's not dead, um, you know, because um, obviously I've, I haven't read into the previous, uh, previous versions of Action Comics. Um, you know, but... And my first introduction to Manchester Black was the animated movie, you know, Superman versus the Elite, and I always found that, uh, you know, a lot of I know a lot of people find some of the DCU movies um, hard to swallow sometimes because there's not obviously a true representation of the comics. But the thing I loved about that movie was the ending with regards to, um, you know, the fact that I think I think you spoke about in Kingdom Come as well as the fact that the the, the people, you know. They want justice but also they don't like the fact that they're you know the people who are doing all the killing are coming back out of prison and killing again so they like the fact that these people are taking him down and that's what Manchester black does and we see the end of that animated movie the fact that Superman just lets them all do what they need to do he pretends to die and the people can see that you know it's not going to be the ending of what you like and you see how dark Superman can go if he needs to go down that path where you know killing is not is is, you know, is available for me. And this is what will happen if you, you can see that. But I love the fact that he showed the people that, you know, you don't need to kill to save the world. And I love how the fact of that was shown.
0: Yeah. And that, that is one aspect with his authority team that I, I, I am on board with. Like I said, I don't know that Manchester black might be a bridge too far, but oh, generally speaking, this idea of taking someone who has historically been an antagonist and trying to show them a different path and trying to give them an opportunity to redeem themselves I, I like when I like when Clark makes choices like that because I again I feel like you you don't always other characters aren't equipped for that or other characters it wouldn't have the same effect when I when uh, one of my guests and I we talked about the Joe Kelly run on Action Comics at the end of last year and there was an issue called the Choice after our Worlds at War that we talked about where uh, Superman extends his hand in in friendship to like three or four enemies throughout the course of the story and most turn their back on him but one of them accepts and it's so powerful just the fact that he's even willing to do that and and how that's received um so uh, yeah I, I, in the, in terms of the concept I'm on board with it the manchester black thing a little tough but speaking of continuity you know I don't even know exactly what version of mongol we're dealing with I, you know mm. I came up with obviously the the reign of the superman version and then I went back and I read uh, that exile storyline, uh, where where Superman ends up on War World and has to fight his way out, and and I had of course read the Bronze Age for um uh, for the Man Who Has Everything, and I just through Wikipedia I read that the that Mongol from the early '90s and Reign of the Supermen, he would go on to fight Kyle Rayner, uh, shortly after Kyle Rayner became Green Lantern, he would later battle Wally West as the Flash, and then he ultimately met his end. Uh, in the Underworld Unleashed uh, event that Mark Wade wrote, which, you know, crazy okay. enough, I've never read it, and I, well, I might have to, that was one of DC's fifth week events where, uh, you know, that miniseries ran for a few weeks, but then every every comic that was published that month had an Underworld Unleashed banner, and it was where all the villains were making a deal with the devil to enhance their powers, and Mongol refused and was killed. And then later on, in the Jeff Loeb run, which I've talked about on the show, and it was a a big piece of my Superman fandom, they introduced Mongol's son, Mongol 2nd I'm not sure, especially after Flashpoint, after Rebirth, I don't know exactly what version we're dealing with because he seems to be meeting Superman for the first time and we do definitely get the sense that there have been many Mongols over o- over time. So I'm not sure exactly what we're dealing with, but not too long after we record this, <laughs> the 2022 annual is coming out and that is going to, I believe, sort of, juxtapose the origin of of Clark with the origin of Mongol. So we'll sort of see, I guess, how uh, you know, how there <laughs> what parallels and, and and divergences there are. But well you know, I think we'll have a better sense of exactly which version of Mongol we're dealing with. Not that it really matters, but uh I was just kind of curious, more so for myself as a fan from that era of trying to place exactly uh, what Mongol we're dealing with.
1: Oh exactly. And um as you were talking, I was looking through my because I knew I wrote it down somewhere because they even spoke about it with regards to, you know, this Mongol is who is, and the previous Mongol was who was. And I was going, oh, okay, so this isn't the Mongol that, you know, I, I didn't realise that it, the Mongol, I'm assuming, is a title. It's not actually the person. Or but I'm assuming this is the son of Mongol as well. That, that was discussed as well, that this is the son as well. And he didn't like what his father did, and he obviously went down a different path as well. So it was interesting, a little bit of a backstory there as well, as I Was i trying to tell.
0: Yes, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we haven't really gotten into this yet, but there's also this this posturing on the on the political side with the United Planets. And mm-hmm. there's one of the figures there who clearly has his own agenda, and then the, the group overall, you know, ultimately deciding not to do anything, right? There are some who push for, <laughs> you know, to intervene and help Superman and, you know, are or nefarious actor there is sort of dissuades them from that. And, you know, then they end up in this position after Superman is seemingly defeated. It's like, well, if they go against Warworld, then they'll, they'll face the wrath of Warworld. Um, mm. if they tell earth what happened to Superman, they'll be like, well, why didn't you help? So it, they end up not doing anything, at least for now. I mean, clearly there's more that's, that's at play there, but we also have the backdrop of that. Um, Oh, one other thing I just wanted to mention is going back to the psychological warfare of Mongol. One thing that I thought was very interesting and twisted was this, you know, ceremony when, so the whole idea is that Mongol is, you know, going from planet to planet, right? And I guess stealing resources and enslaving, I guess killing a significant portion and enslaving the rest of the populations of these planets that he's going to. And the idea that when, a species when the last member of a species dies off and that species becomes extinct that there's this sort of ceremony on on war world but those attending have very different views right the war zoons are looking at it as a moment of triumph they've they've caused the extinction of another species like they've they've won Whereas those who are enslaved on on, on war world um you know mourn the loss. Um, but again, I, I mean, it was very twisted, but very interesting, and I think also too speaks to just the state of mind of these people and what it what it must be like living in that environment.
1: Yeah, it's almost a different take on you know what Brainiac does. Like you know, he, he goes around the planet, to planet, and just takes a portion of you know of that species and does what he wants with them. Um, it, yeah, it's almost the same variant, but just it just has his own way. And like you said, it's very. Um, it's very hard to, to watch as well, just to see that you know he all he wants to do is he just wants his fights, he just wants his battles. And like I said, going back to Gladiator again, it's just a, it's just like going back to the Roman days and just that that is their sport. And that's what they love to see. And like so going back to Justice League anime um series and you just watch the amount of people in the arena just watching it, just you know, f- for sport and but but, yeah, you know, just going back to the chains again, as you mentioned this, uh, earlier on, it was just, just watching, and I think he's closest um, slave is by his Mongol side. You just see the amount of chains on him and, you know, he's got no legs and he's, you know, he's losing an arm, I think. And, you know, his face has obviously been um, disproportionized as well, but you just see the, the chain on him and how respected he is by the, the people of War World and it's just, yeah, it's, yeah like i said just the artwork just tells the story so well and um even though it changes throughout like there's a couple of um i can't remember which which book it was but it changed um i think that's when future state started as well so i think that's when they started to change the artwork a little bit and i found it i found it strange i wasn't excited at, at first when they changed the artwork but then i got on board with it and i understood but like, there was one book that actually reminded me of um it was like you know when a lot of storytellers for movies do like the little snippets of what what the scene's going to look like, and that's mm-hmm. what it looked like to me. And I thought, oh, okay, that's a different way of telling it and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's, yeah it's just one of those things on Warworld with regards to the change. It's very, it's just a very telling scene, uh, scenes, and it tells the reader, you know, why are we fighting for these people? Why is Superman fighting for these people? And, and that that is why.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I. uh you know know philip kennedy Kennedy johnson you know i guess relatively new on the scene here uh but you know clearly you know built uh you know made a bit bit of a splash with this war world saga which has been from everything that i can see has, has been well received and you know he's the ongoing writer of action and he answered on twitter recently someone asked are you are you done on action after war world finishes and he said no definitely not um and i know he has military experience and you know reading these these stories you know, I can, I mean, I've not seen it firsthand, but it's like, I can imagine for people in, on earth in in certain places in the world where, you know, you're living under you know conditions like that, how it can, can warp the way you view yourself and, and the person who's subjugating you. And then even just on a more, you know, uh, you know, lo- lo- you know, local level, I got, but, you know, um, just a bit of, of my background when I was in law school, I, I did this, uh, I did this externship at family court and it was working with victims of domestic violence. And so, you know, we talked a lot about issues that go, you know, in, in with that and how, how people, you know, how and why people stay with an abuser or, you know, all the issues that are, that are wrapped up with that and, and how, you know, just your self-esteem or self-worth, like all of that can just get so, so twisted up. So I think that's, I think seeing those parallels, you know, sort of. I, I think makes makes a lot of this feel even more real, despite the fact that we're in this totally otherworldly setting. And again, I, I can't stress this enough that I, I especially when we're dealing with the outer, sp- you know, outer space, more sci-fi set stories for Superman. It's not. It's not that oh, I don't like any of them, but I, I don't know. I often, I've rarely been this personally invested. In, in, in it as i am with this so uh yeah i know i keep saying it but i'm I'm really i'm really a fan i'm excited to see how it wraps up a little a little nervous i don't know. like i hope <laughs> i hope he sticks the landing i mean what what predictions slash hopes do you have for this final arc because i think i mean we're barreling towards action 1050 so a, a milestone issue so i suspect if we have one more act and that's another six or seven issues i feel like we'll probably wrap up at that point uh, but yeah, what what hopes or predictions do you have for where this might go?
1: Um, I think you know, being a Superman fan, Superman's going to win. He's going to defeat Mongol, um, and he's going to free uh, uh, free all the slaves, and um, everyone's going to go back to, to business as normal. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for a victory for Superman. Um, but it would surprise me if if that's not the case. Because like, like you said, at the start of the series, you know, John's come gone to the future, come back, and he's told you know told Clark and told Lois that there's a, there's a time where, you know, no one knows what happened to you. We don't know what's happened. And I love the fact that we're still in, uh, in the dark with that. And as you, you spoke about with regards to the, um you know, the world of war books one and two, and even in parts, you know, the house of L as well, it's just, no one knows what happened to, 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 to Clark and, yeah, I, I personally would love to see him fight him fight out of it and, you know, win the battle in the end because that's what Superman does. But, it, yeah, definitely interesting to see if if that's not the case and if they're still going to leave it in the lurch. Like, you know, we all want to happen when, you know, back in the early 90s when Superman died and that it's left it left him out of the comics for a long period of time. So maybe they might go down that arc as well. And, just you know, we're just all, all looking at it going, they might just six months without Superman in, in the title. So that'd be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, man, I don't know. I really, I mean, I agree. I, I, I'm i sure they'll win and they'll liberate the people of Warworld. Yeah. But as far as where we leave Superman after that, you know, does he touch the Genesis rock and his powers are restored and he heads back to Earth and everything's fine? I don't think so. I feel like in in terms of the context of the story itself, as well as the way it's been talked about and described by dc and by johnson in the press and everything i feel like there's something i don't know i don't know what part of me part of me is saying i feel like all right i'll make a prediction what what, what, the, what the hell we're here my prediction <laughs> is i think that i think clark stays on war on war world and i think he deposes mongol but he stays to not rule war world but lead war world that's my prediction Okay, I'm gonna go with that. I, I, because I, I, I don't think, and I really hope. See, I, I, what I don't want, I guess, is that he's missing or dead or presumed dead because we've been down that road before, and literally, we're there right now with death of the Justice League. Um, which, as of this recording, death of the Justice League seventy five just came out, and we're we're building towards Dark Crisis, and presumably the Justice League is dead, and. Even at this point, I think it's pretty clear that they're just sort of, you know, and they've released descriptions about the some of the tie-in specials, and it seems like they're not dead, but they've each been transported to um, like a paradise in their mind sort of thing. So whatever their greatest wish is, that's what they're living out. Uh, so, you know, they'll be back. But I guess my point is we're already dealing with a version of that, and of course we've had Death of Superman. So, you know, if it ends with him missing, dead, anything like that, I, I guess I would feel a little let down. But based on what we've seen and the way they've been building this up, I don't necessarily see him just flying home like nothing happened. So my prediction is he stays on, on War World. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that out there.
1: I, I think you're actually probably right on the money. Um, the only thing I want to add to that as well, as you mentioned it before with regards to the fragment pieces, you know, they've come into the later part of these books and we saw last with John Henry Irons with the fragment and that ha- we haven't gone back to the, the Justice League either. They've, you know, that before he went to War World, World, they said we can't come with you now. We've got to make sure things settle here. So maybe something might happen to to force the Justice League to come to Warworld World to, to assist. Um, you know, the United Planets, as we mentioned before, uh, you know, maybe they've realized that now we have to step in, we need to do something to 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 assist um, you know, Superman with the guards to this. So there's so many different options that can they can happen, but I like your way of thinking with the guards. It's definitely thinking outside of the box with what you said. Um But going back to the Mongol side of things, um, where did I write it? Um, I'll I'll come back to that. I'll I'll find it and come back to you.
0: (laughs) No, all good. But I, I, I think, how do I put this? I don't think the story needs a big twist at the end, like Superman dies or is missing. I really think this has been so strong and I feel like this book will, you know, will be one of those, you know, cause I, I look, I always go back to my experience working at a comic book shop and, you know, someone coming in and, and asking about, you know, what Superman book should I read? And, you know, whether it was an existing customer who had just never tried Superman or someone who was new to comics and, you know, th- th- those in my experience didn't happen all the time, but sometimes, you know, people would come in and be like, Oh, like, what should I read? And as I've always said on the show, I, you know, there are those certain ones you can give someone for all seasons, you give someone All-Star Superman, Birthright. You know, there are definitely those books out there, but especially when it comes to the 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 ongoing runs, the ongoing series. I don't always feel like there's as much that, you know, you can really hand someone and be like here and whether because they're not collected or they're too they're too many volumes or they don't hold up or like whatever whatever the case may be. I mean, there's a lot that I've enjoyed, but when we're really trying to boil it down to something that it's like, look here, this is a relatively contained piece that you know will give you a good sense of this character. I really feel like this is one of those ones, you know, whether it's three trades or whatever you know, combined edition they end up putting out, it's like it really so far has taken the character on a really cool and interesting journey and that's different than, what, you know, what we've seen in a, in a lot of books. I, I, you know, so again, I don't know that we need something so crazy for, for, for the end. Uh, I, I hope it ends well. I'm, I, I'm going to be optimistic because I've, I've liked what I've read so much so far, but uh, yeah, you shall see.
1: <laughs> and like you said, when I first started reading these books after you know, finishing the first one, I just couldn't wait to read the second one. It was just one of those things that left you on edge. It made you want to keep reading and now they're up to where we're, where, where we're at. I want to continue reading to see where it finishes. And, that, and that's what you want about, you know, not just comic books, but books in general. You want to be able to keep lifting the next page. You want that excitement to, to see what happens next. Um, but just finding what I was reading, uh, trying to find before with regards to Mongol itself. So the people of Warworld have been taught that Mongol is not their slaver, but their hero. Kindness makes one weak and vulnerable and is therefore cruelty. Cruelty makes... Makes um, on hard protecting them from further hurt and is therefore kindness. So they've they've just rearranged the words to make it sound like a you know, Mongol is their savior and and that's the way that it's been thrown at them. And you understand why the people love Mongol. And you brought it up at the start of the episode with you know legacy of Superman the animated series. Why you know the the people love Dark Side. And we have to understand you know there's obviously and you mentioned before about people staying with certain people over you know for certain reasons. Um, we're not always going to know the reasons why, but once we actually hear those sort of stories and, and have an understanding, it's like okay, I, I get it, I, I completely get it. But then Superman has to go to another level to, and he like you said, he did that in the in the cages. He was talking to the people and explaining to them, this is who you are, this is your background, these are the people that you are. You need to care for the person next to you, and you know, care for your brother, and you know, and that, and that was hard to see. Like I said before, with the brother with Mongol saying, well, I want you to kill them. And, you know, like I had to kill my brother. And it's just, it's very hard to see, but, but you understand as a, as a, as a viewer or as a reader, um, why it's come to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that quote that you read. I, that, I, that did stand out to me as well. And it's, yeah, I mean, Mongol has so totally inverted the basic value system of, mm. of these people. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it really is an uphill battle for Clark and he's waging it, you know, with his, his, blood and sweat in the arena, but really by that spirit that can't be conquered, that he'll keep getting back up. He'll keep going out there. He'll keep protecting them. He'll keep, you know, telling them who they are and, and what he's there to do. But, yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge. But by the end of the the uh, the arc that we've just finished, he seems to have gained some ground and he was able to get a hold of that orphan box. I love the orphan box. You know, we've had a mother box of course, we've had father box here and there. Uh, but uh, I like <laughs> you have the orphan box. So, you know, between getting a hold of that and, you know, now starting to sort of uh, you know, rouse some spirit in 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 some of the people on Warworld, you know, it's like we're gearing up for again, the next phase of this. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it turns out. I, you know, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we get an animated adaptation of this at some point that you get to cover (laughs) on your podcast. I feel like it's, it's ripe for, for something like this. I, I mean, I, you know, part of me, I don't know that they would do this on Superman and Lois because they've really stayed, you know, earthbound that, that would kind of be pushing it a little bit, but uh, whether it was a movie or Superman and Lois or, or animated, I think is always a, a great avenue for a lot of this stuff uh yeah it would be it would be cool to see this sort of come to life in, in yet another way
1: yeah i agree and um and you know talking of um the way you can tell the story like i, th- I think i was talking to the tyler not too long ago and he he's actually got a vision of actually a you know a, i think a movie series or a tv series where war world would be that series you know because everyone would i think would love to see mongol on the, on the live live action. And I think it would be an awesome. Like, you, you watch this on the big screen. I think this is something that we've never seen before. I think this would be awesome as a movie or as a trilogy. Um, you know, it's something that we've never seen before. And I think it will definitely take you know, going back to you know, the discussion with Superman Returns, there's not enough action. And then you go to Zack Snyder, there's too much action. It's like where we draw the line. Um, whereas this, this would be fantastic. I know it would take a lot. It would take a lot of you know obviously it'll all be cgi um and take a lot of money but if this is something they put on the big screen i would be there front row even if it doesn't matter it's superman i'll be there even if it's not but i'll be there front row seats watching it as well so but one question i've got for you with regards to you know, we we talked about all the other comics leading in but I, I was reading over the 2021 annual as well which led you to a bit of the house of elk um and you, you joked about the orphan box, obviously. And the mother box came back into that, which I found was pretty funny. And, the, you know, the interpretation of the Phantom Zone. And I think you're going to do a, a, a an episode coming up soon with regards to the Phantom Zone as well. What was your take on the Phantom Zone in, in that book?
0: Oh, yeah. Wait, am I doing an episode on the Phantom Zone? I thought you were. Oh, wait, am I? Uh, I'm, um, <laughs> like, I <I'm... laughs> wait, am I? Uh, it's, it's all let me see well we are gonna do <laughs> that's so funny not not I... not what no not something dedicated to the phantom zone but i definitely have some krypton centric episodes uh, and i think that's okay. that's where it will it will come up so <laughs> it, took me a, it took me a beat and i was like it, Emma. <laughs> i don't know maybe i will but yeah no that was uh I mean, the most interesting thing to me, I guess, about that annual, even more so than the because, de- I guess, the whole idea in that with the Phantom Zone was that the Phantom the zone is this the mental projection of an actual being, yeah, uh, which I, I don't know I could sort of take or leave, but interesting. But the what really I thought was uh, really grabbed my attention was the fact that Henshaw mm. was was in there and that they eventually let him go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that Supergirl or Superwoman at this point in the future is like oh, yeah. I don't think Clark intended to you know for him to be in there this long. So they so <laughs> I, I, you know I'm never a fan of letting Henshaw go. I feel like he really needs to pay for Coast City always. Uh, even yeah. in the rebirth run, I you know I talked about this. There's this great bit where Superman creates this this you know impenetrable room in the fortress. And puts Cyborg, you know, re- retrieve Cyborg Superman from the Phantom Zone and puts him in this room and, you know, gives him these crystals that allow him to relive his best memories. And it was very sweet and humane. But like I said at the time, it's like, I don't know if you were going to give this gift to someone. I don't know that it's Hank Henshaw, but that's just uh, my <laughs> Old Testament, you know, fury coming <laughs> down. I, I don't know. But yeah, that, that, that kind of stood out to me about that one, I think, more than anything. But what was your, did you like that version of the Phantom Zone?
1: I just thought it was a different take. Like you know, we haven't seen too many versions of it. You know, we've seen you know Supergirl's take on it. We've seen Smallville's take on it. Um, you know, going back to Superman the movie, you know, just see him in, in that prism. Yeah, you know, our mind's going, what's going on in there? Um, you know, obviously Krypton. I'm um, like you. I've I've only seen season one. I haven't seen season two, so I want to get to that understanding as well. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a different take. Um, same with Superman the animated series. Like, we don't see the Phantom Zone itself, but we see the Phantom Zone projector and we see, you know, that them flying around in there. So, you know, it's just interesting to see everyone's different interpretation of what the Phantom Zone represents to them, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And that I know we have touched on on the show. i I've, uh, you know, half jokingly said that, I, you know, especially in, in live action depictions, I sometimes wonder if it's if it's worth it to show us the Phantom Zone, because I don't know that it always necessarily lives up to what, what your imagination builds it up to be, because mm. normally it ends up being the desert or a cave or something. But I, I have heard great things about the the Krypton show. And how that handled yeah. it. And uh, we're getting there. We'll get there by the end of the year. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's on the list. Almost anything, you know, uh, except a full-on Phantom Zone episode. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You got me <laughs> thinking about that. You never know. I actually have, where is it? I'm actually looking on my shelf. I have the Tales from the Phantom Zone trade paperback that DC okay. put out. So, and I, just today, uh, it's even over my show. You might even be able to see it on the chair behind me. I picked up the Tales of the Super Pets uh, oh, trade paperback. Awesome. Cause it had a bunch of crypto and streaky, the super cat and ace the bat hound stories, but the crypto stories in particular, like, like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, silver and bronze age stuff. That's just not available. So I figured, well, this is a good way to, to get it.
1: Actually, speaking of crypto, I, I love the part when the Superman's about to fly off the war world. And Lois goes, you just say goodbye to crypto. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, that was beautiful.
0: Well, speaking of the farewells, he and Lois have quite the goodbye up in the air. Yep. Heyo. So <laughs> uh, and that's the other thing too. I, I really loved, I love the way the two of them were written and Lois, you know, when Lois defends the fortress from the, the war, I mean, from the war zoons who show up, uh, she's, she's, uh, she really holds her own with that, uh, with, with that, uh, that blaster that she has. And then when she goes to, to get the Genesis fragment from John Henry, again, going back to just the, the parallels, and the echoes of the Superman and Lois TV show. It's like, oh, like I love, I love. You know, it happens off screen, but I love that Clark would entrust that to John Henry, mm. uh, and that Lois knows that, even though they haven't spoken about it. But she knows, like, well, that's who he would go to, uh, and just that little interaction that we get between the two of them. Uh, yeah, I was, I was a fan of that.
1: Yeah, and so was I. Like I said initially when I saw Nat, um, you know, going to Warworld, my my thought was, what happened to John Henry Irons? What happened to you know? I didn't realize that did he passed on the, is that what happened in the comic books previously? Did he pass on the mantle to Nat? Is that what happened? Or?
0: You know, to be perfectly honest, I'm not positive exactly where John Henry is at this <laughs> point in the story. I know that that he was a player in the rebirth era. I know he was a player in the Superwoman title and he and Lana Lang had a romantic relationship which is why I'm very intrigued to see where the Superman and Lois TV show might go. Uh, I think that could be. I think that could be interesting. But uh, as far as I remember, he was still suiting up as Steel in those Rebirth comics. So, okay. As far as what has transpired since, uh, certainly not anything that I've seen, like in the Bendis in the Bendis issues, or at least that I remember. So, uh, as far as I know, I think he maybe is still Steel, but he just sort of, uh, you know, this was a mission he deferred to to Nat maybe we'll get a little more context and subsequent issues.
1: Yeah, maybe. And like you said, with regards to, you know, Superman having the, knowing the fact that John can, can go and do what he needs to do without having any fear of, you know, losing it. And John Henry Irons is the same. He is obviously trusts Superman with the life of his daughter to take her to war world. And, you know, i obviously see what she's like, you know, on that planet and what she's doing. Like you said, when she made the shield, she's, um, you know, taking the, because you come under the wing of the blacksmith over there and all that sort of stuff. So I love the story arcs that are happening and um, yeah, moving forward, I'm intrigued to see what happens and yeah, I like your take on seeing what the ending is and it'd be, yeah, definitely interesting to see.
0: Uh, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I, I think, I think I'm, I mean these, you know, I, I could very easily be wrong. We'll find out in a few months, but I don't know. I feel like we might get something like that. Cause I think, I don't know, especially given the writer's military background You know, look, we've seen even in recent history, you know, instances where, you know, just because you, quote unquote, liberate a people or whatever, it's like there's a lot left to do. Right. So, I mean, it could be something as simple as he leaves the elite behind to, to run it. I mean, he comes home. I don't know. But part of me thinks like that could actually be a really interesting story and one that we've really not seen before from from Superman, where, you know, now he it's not just about beating the bad guy. But now these people need leadership, they need direction, they need a, a, a good guiding hand. Mm. I don't know. I will, you know, we'll see. Well, maybe we'll do a, uh, you know, do a little mini episode or something after, after it all <laughs> wraps up. But look, like yourself, I mean, I I will, I will. have this on my pull list. I, I go to All Yeah Comics and I, I, get, uh, I get Action Comics now and I plan to, you know, read these as they're coming out and I look forward to the conclusion. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that, that we didn't get to?
1: No, I think we spoke about all the linking comics. Um, you know, it, the, the House of Valor is a little bit interesting, I, I found. Like, um, you know, there's a little bit of – like, I like the storyline of a young, um, you know, the, the slave from the start, the, her of a younger age, and, the, you know, they're telling the story. I just love the fact that when they started to talk about Superman that all of a sudden everyone started to get a bit, you know, rash and they started to, you know, almost attack her and stuff. Well, we can't talk about that. You know, it's all about Mongol, but – but then they sat down and started telling the story and I did, I did like how that that, that gelled in with, you know, the main storyline and stuff like that. And it was interesting to see, you know, the house of Val and all the different personnel and yeah, it was just a different take and I, I enjoyed it for what it was.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like that annual too. I'm really, I, I'm, I'm more intrigued by this upcoming annual uh, where, where we'll get to see more of the Mongol backstory. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like that a lot as well. Well, my friend, I think that will do it. I, I really I really enjoy this. I this this is the first time in a really, really long time that I have been following a story as it's coming out. And even then that's kind of misleading because I waited until <laughs> you know, I stockpiled all these issues and now I just ran through them. So really over these next few months, I'll really be reading it live. But you know, I've, I've laid out my history before, but I, you know, I made the switch to, to trade and I dumped the monthly issues right after infinite crisis. And that period between infinite crisis and, and Flashpoint and the new 52, the, the, um, the new Krypton saga really kind of dominated that era. And I wasn't really into it at the time. I'm going to be reading that for the podcast later and I'll, I'll go back to it. But, you know, I, I was in theory reading in trade, but I was kind of You know, even not quite that dialed in at that point. And then I I made the choice to sit out the New 52. I'm going to be reading a lot of that soon, but I, you know, kind of sat all of that out. And then I only recently, like I said, have read the Rebirth and Bendis run. So we're talking a really long stretch where, you know, I was not really plugged into the books that were coming out as they were coming out or, or even afterwards, really. So uh, as far as a re-entry, this was a great one. I really enjoyed it <laughs> and uh, excited to see where it goes. And again, I am really I appreciate you coming along for this ride and diving into the comics <laughs> and, and having this chat. I, I really, really, I really enjoyed it.
1: No, but thank you very much for um, thinking of me, firstly, for coming on to talk about this. Like I said, this is something that I'm new to as well. And I've, I'm so excited about where this is moving forward. So I think I want to continue... You know, buying the you know these comics and moving forward, and I just love the fact that there's so much. Um, you know, when I first started reading comics and just knowing that, okay, action comics. Oh, but this co- this comic book leads into that, and this one, and you know, as a new comic book reader, I had no idea that so many other comic books. You know, like it's like I say, a little multiverse sort of thing. It all it all comes together. Um, so, but yeah, but thank you for thinking of me with regards to this, and I had so much fun, and um, and yeah, I, I can't I can't thank you enough.
0: My pleasure. We've already talked about another episode for you next year. So people will will hear you again. And and again, I hope everyone checks out Superman, the animated podcast. Uh, There's a a whole back catalog of of episodes to enjoy. So I hope people will do that. As always, thank you for tuning in to Digging for Kryptonite. I really appreciate it. Uh, We are actually off next week for the Memorial Day holiday. So we'll be back in two weeks. It's our first skip week of the year since we switched to our weekly release. So next week will be an off week. Please take the opportunity, if there are any episodes you've missed, catch up. If you are not a member of the Patreon page, please consider joining. There's a ton of bonus episodes. And I've been posting about this on social media, but I'll mention it now on the show. Uh, We now have the option uh, for annual memberships. So if you don't want to uh, pay for the Patreon monthly, you can do it for the year. And the annual memberships get you a 16% uh, discount, which basically is two months free. So uh, thank you, as always, to all current and, uh, and past patrons. I really appreciate it. It really does help. Uh, so I hope you'll consider checking that out. And we will be back in two weeks with the beginning of our epic four-part Lex Luthor event. I've been planning this for a long time. I am very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you are back here in two weeks for the beginning of the four-part Villain of the Story event. Until then, it's about what you do. It's about action. The spin-off podcast, Digging for Justice, a DC fan journey, is available now exclusively at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato, starting at the $1 level. New episodes release monthly, and many more rewards are available too, including a robust back catalog of bonus podcasts. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show.